Everywhere we look around the world, there's trouble, calamities, super disasters. We're living in uncertain and dangerous days, and we're witnessing the converging of end-time signs that should alert us to the fact that Jesus is returning soon. And in the midst of all the chaos and striving to make ends meet, the Bible promises that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So what exactly is the name of the Lord that we should call upon? I'll be answering this question along with a summary of some significant Bible prophecy headlines. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dard. The Bible makes a simple promise in Acts 2.21 that all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The promise is made in both the Hebrew Bible and also the New Testament. So what is the name of the Lord that we all should call upon? There is certainly a lot of confusion as to who God is. Is God the God of Israel? the God of Islam or some other deity? Or are they all one in the same? Well, theologians beg to differ, and we're going to tackle this question in a moment. But first, a summary commentary on Bible prophecy headlines. Every day we're threatened in the news with dwindling food and energy supplies. A Prophecy Newswatch article stated that global supplies of diesel fuel have never been tighter than they are right now. And that is really troubling news because the entire economy of the Western world runs on diesel. The issue is global. Diesel inventories around the world are the lowest since 1982. But since then, we have added about 3.4 billion people to the planet. The population of the planet has nearly doubled since the early 1980s, according to the article. And so we are truly in unprecedented territory, perilous times, when politicians are also talking about nuclear warfare in World War III. But as I often say, Bible prophecy is given not to scare us, but to prepare us. Titus 2.13 reminds us that our blessed hope is the sudden appearing of the Lord Jesus. He will return. In the meantime, it's our duty as believers to soldier on to maintain our joy. Recently, I heard a TV interview with a man of God whose parents had suffered under a brutal communist regime, but he testified that his parents were always joyful. And what a beautiful testimony that is for all of us to emulate. Bible prophecy tells us that great calamities are coming upon the earth before the great and terrible day of the Lord. You see, the church age will not last forever. Jesus will return and set up his kingdom in Jerusalem. This is what the gospel teach in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Jesus lamented over Jerusalem in Luke 19:44, saying, You did not recognize 
the time of your visitation. How was it possible for otherwise devoutly religious people to miss the advent of the Messiah? Yet the people of his day disregarded the signals meant to awaken them. And most of all, they disregarded the timeline given for Messiah's first appearing as recorded in the book of Daniel. Therefore, I believe the end time truths contained in the book of Daniel are paramount for both the church and especially the nation of Israel to study in order to understand our times. Meanwhile, most disturbing is what's happening in the education of our youth. Julie Bailing is a former missionary to Russia and author of a new book entitled Beneath Sheep's Clothing, The Communist Takeover of Cultures in the USSR and Parallels in Today's America. She writes that today we're living in a time of war. The bedrock principles on which the nation was founded have been purposefully subverted. Judeo-Christian ethics have been overrun by moral relativism. Love of God, love of country and family have been replaced with state authoritarianism, hatred of country, denial of history, and new ideologies that threaten the family's existence. The media, the world of entertainment, schools, and even churches have become tools for propaganda against the culture. Once Russia fell to communism in 1917, the Soviet Union notoriously brainwashed its populace through anti-religious propaganda. Christians who did not comply were heavily persecuted. The churches were infiltrated with KGB agents, all in the attempt to gain absolute control of the beliefs of the populace. And today, Marxist forces are currently backing the training of nearly 50 million public school children in the USA alone. Curricula feature the divisive critical race theory and the hypersexualization of children, as well as revisionist history. Julie Bailing writes in her book that our churches are largely silent. In many cases, they have also infiltrated with Marxist wolves in sheep's clothing with social justice replacing the sacrifice of Jesus as the central doctrine, and traditional Bible-believing churches subjugated to corrupt government edicts. No longer are America's churches promoters of liberty, and far too often, the author wrote, they no longer teach basic biblical concepts as truth. Furthermore, it's dangerous when the government labels various Christian movements as cults or terrorists making them free game for unfair and one-sided treatment in the media as well as vigilante-style justice at the hands of law enforcers. This is certainly a wake-up call to everyone with children in schools, to Christians, and to anyone who cares about freedom. Well, recently, during one of our insider tours of the Holy Land, Orthodox Jew and theologian David DeCrutman addressed our group and we also prayed for his new Isaiah Project, which aims to teach homeschooled children the value of our Hebraic roots and the importance of being a part of the greater Judeo-Christian family of God. In fact, David said his Isaiah Project intends to fuse critical thinking in the Bible to the homeschool world. 
We prayed for God to open the necessary doors for this sacred initiative that aims to educate an entire generation of young people and to correct woke revolutionary inroads. So please continue to pray for the curriculum of the Isaiah Project. David DeKrupman is one of the outstanding bridge builders in our generation between Jews and Christians. So we pray for much wisdom for the homeschool world. Sooner rather than later, I pray the church can catch up for lost time and learn to comprehend God's undying commitment to the destiny of the Jewish people. It is our ministry's prayer that God will replace replacement theology in the church with the truth of the full counsel of his word. It is also our prayer that God will remove false shepherds and replace the replacement theologians with true men and women of God who will cooperate with the Lord's biblical agenda and who will understand the times. I want everybody to know that God made each individual entirely unique and no one else was created for the special purpose that you or I have in the overall plan of God. No one has a better or greater pedigree than anyone else. Each of us is created with a built-in hunger for relationship with God. And people simply were created to be in fellowship with others and with God. And when fellowship is lacking, there's a profound spiritual hunger. According to the Hebrew for Christians website, Jewish tradition says that God created the first man, Adam, alone as an entire world to teach that each individual is of great value and significance. Thus, anyone who sustains one individual, it's as if he has sustained the entire world. And anyone who destroys one individual has destroyed an entire world. So now, coming again to the urgent subject matter of calling upon the name of the Lord for salvation and deliverance, there are many confusing translations of the Bible that render the name of God sometimes as Jehovah, sometimes as Yahweh. But I'm very grateful to our friend, Dr. Nehemiah Gordon, a Dead Sea Scrolls scholar who has spoken at our conferences in Israel upon a number of occasions. Nehemiah has discovered the correct pronunciation of the Tetragrammaton, the biblical name of God that's based upon the four Hebrew letters, yud heh vav heh for various textual and scholarly reasons, Nehemiah asserts that the name of God should be pronounced Yehovah, not Jehovah or Yahweh, because he's found the vowels to pronounce the sacred name in ancient manuscripts. For example, this is a photo of the name of God with full vowels in a manuscript from the British Library dated to the 10th century. The verse, Exodus 3.15, says... God said further to Moses, Thus shall you say to the children of Israel, Yehovah, the God of your fathers, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, my mention from generation to generation. Nehemiah asserts that God never intended for his name to be a covered up and, and kept secret because God clearly said in the Torah that the Tetragrammaton, yud heh vav heh Yehovah, is to be his memorial name forever, from generation to generation. Nehemiah has written several books, and one book in particular is about the cover-up of the name of God. 
The title of the book is Shattering the Conspiracy of Silence. This book concerns what he calls the age-old conspiracy of silence surrounding the ironic priestly blessing. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, and verses 24 to 27, God taught the sons of Aaron a three-line blessing to proclaim over the people of God. At the end of this blessing, God promised, And they shall place my name on the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Although the name itself is the key part of the priestly blessing, generations of scribes, rabbis, and priests have kept the name a covered-up secret by rendering it instead as Lord, spelled with capital letters, or by referring to God as Hashem, meaning the name. But Nehemiah Gordon, for one, a Karaite Jew, realizes the importance of knowing who is God and what is his name. For example, many today are confused if Allah is God. But in fact, the God of the Bible has revealed his name. Now let's consider this further. In the New Testament, on the day of Pentecost, the Apostle Peter quoted the prophet Joel, chapter 2, verse 32, from the Old Testament, proclaiming, Whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The original Hebrew clearly says, Whoever shall call upon Yehovah shall be saved. But translators have substituted the word Lord in capital letters to cover up the name of God in an effort to keep the sacred name from being defiled. So Lord, with capital letters, clearly refers to Yehovah, God Almighty. But after the resurrection of Jesus, the apostles and the early church had no hesitation in applying the name of God to the exalted Lord Jesus. In fact, in Romans 10.13, the apostle Paul also quoted the Hebrew prophet Joel, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, and expressly applied Yehovah to the Lord Jesus. Furthermore, a man in the New Testament in Acts 16.31 asked the apostles, What must I do to be saved? And the apostles replied emphatically, Believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. So the apostles had no hesitation in calling Jesus God by identifying and linking God's name with Jesus. And of course, by the way, Yeshua is Jesus' name in Hebrew. Jesus himself also linked himself to the Tetragrammaton in his many I am statements. So what do we ultimately learn from all of this? First of all, we learn that God's sacred name is the letters yud He vat He, meaning I am that I am, pronounced Yehovah, according to Bible scholar Nehemiah Gordon. And there is no other God but the God of Israel. Secondly, we learn that ultimately salvation is found only in the name of Jesus. To be certain, according to Acts chapter 4, verse 12, and this is very definitive, Concerning Jesus, the Apostle Peter testified in front of the Sanhedrin Council of Elders in Jerusalem, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. 
Third, salvation is free and universal for all who call upon the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So this teaches us that there are only two kinds of people in the world, those who call upon the name of Jesus and those who have not called upon his name. Those who are saved prove they are saved by calling upon the name of the Lord Jesus. In fact, calling upon the name of the Lord is a Hebraism for invoking the presence of God. Furthermore, there's an urgency to this topic. The Bible urges us to call upon the Lord while he may still be found. Here's a Bible fact. Jesus was not just a prophet. He was legally given the title Lord for his obedience in dying for our sins on the cross and for being resurrected from the dead. According to Romans 1.4, Jesus, Yeshua, was declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. The Apostle Paul summarized the gospel in just three words. Jesus is Lord. Paul wrote in Romans 10.9, If you declare with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You shall be what? You shall be saved. The title Lord was given to Jesus, especially as the one who was exalted from the dead. When we believe and confess that Jesus is Lord, we are acknowledging that he has been raised from the dead in power and glory and that he now rules in God's presence at the right hand of God. As the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2.36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Messiah. So Jesus is Lord of the nations. Before he became the Savior of the world, the only method whereby men and women could be saved was through animal sacrificial blood in the Jewish temple. But Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple system and the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed in 70 AD. Now in God's economy, presently in this church age, the only way to be saved is that all who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. Jesus also prophesied that a third temple or holy place will be resurrected in Jerusalem in the last days. The sacrificial system will be reinstated and it's being prepared but the future world ruler, known in Scripture as the Antichrist, will stop the sacrifices and demand worship, an act that Jesus said would fulfill the prophecy of the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, an abomination that will desecrate the new temple or tabernacle construction. All of that is forecast for the future. But for now, in this, the church age, which is rapidly winding up, the way of salvation is still simple and complete. All who call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved and delivered from eternal perdition. In the church age, if people refuse to call on God, if they refuse to ask Jesus for salvation and forgiveness, they are in danger of not being saved. In this dispensation, the terms of salvation could not be made more plain or simple. The offer is universal. All who call shall be saved. The offer is free. And that's why the gospel is called good news for the poor. Let me give you this example of the free cost of the Lord's salvation that he offers to everybody. 
Suppose you had a big debt and every week you went to the bank to pay something off of your debt. But one day the bank clerk tells you good news. A friend has stepped in and paid your entire debt. You are now scot-free. Hallelujah. Well, you would be foolish to keep coming to the bank every week to give more money. No, because paying our debt is what Jesus did for all of us on the cross. He was the son of God. He was a bleeding sacrifice. His blood on the cross paid the sin debt in full for the entire world. He did the work of dying for us on the cross and was awarded the title Lord. The only action required of us for salvation is to call upon the name of the Lord. The apostle Peter also said in his sermon in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus, the Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And with many other words, he warned and pleaded, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Amen. A poll indicated that most people want to go to heaven, but very few are sure that they're going. If you're not sure that you are eternally saved, I urge you to make sure today. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Pray the Jesus prayer with me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me, a sinner. And I'm here to tell you today that 1 John 5, 13 assures us that these things were written so that you who believe in the name of the Son of God, you may know that you have eternal life. And there's more good news. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That word saved, sozo in Greek, also means delivered, healed, preserved, made whole. So the gospel includes both deliverance and healing. There are many testimonies of people involved in road accidents, but because they called on Jesus, they were saved or the Lord kept them from crashing. When I preached recently in a Sunday service via Skype in Pakistan, there were some wonderful gospel healings. A man named Mr. Latif had been suffering with heart pain for four days, but after the healing prayer over Skype in the matchless name of Jesus, his heart pain disappeared. He was healed. A man named Mr. Sadiq testified that he had no sight in his right eye, but after prayer, he can now see clearly. All glory to the Lord Jesus, who is the same today as he was yesterday and will be forever. Yes, our Lord is a willing healer. In Mark 1:40, Jesus forever put the question to rest if it's God's will to heal. When he stretched forth his hand and touched a leper, and said, I want to heal. I am willing. And the leper, of course, was perfectly healed. Some people within the sound of my voice today may be wavering and making a, a commitment to the Lord. They may say, I'm going to give my life to the Savior someday, but not today. That's the most dangerous thing a person can say. Because the Bible warns in Proverbs 27.1, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. Furthermore, Hebrews 4, 7 warns, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. There's no medicine in the world that can cure the human heart of sin. You may go to a psychiatrist. You can take all sorts of medical treatments. 
But I tell you this, only real cure for the spiritual disease that is called sin is the blood of Jesus. In fact, 1 John 1, 7 declares, the blood of Jesus, his son, God's son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If you haven't been to the cross, and if your sins and mistakes have not been washed by the blood of the Lamb of God, by Jesus, you cannot say that you were forgiven, and you cannot say that everything is okay between you and God and your fellow man. So it's my prayer that without delay, everybody within the sound of my voice will make sure that you have received the Lord Jesus into your heart today. My friend, may I ask, have you done that? Have you received the Lord as your Savior? If your answer is a decided yes, I rejoice. If not, I urge you not to delay a moment longer. Romans 1.4 is a true saying and worthy of all acceptance. Jesus was declared to be the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. Presently, as I speak, the door of salvation is still open. There's still room for you at the foot of the cross. But soon Jesus will have returned and it will be too late. Invite the Savior to guide you now through these troublesome days and into eternity. Then the joy of the Lord will be your strength and you'll never despair about gloom and doom. Well, I hope you'll have time to check out our website, exploits.tv, which continually reports on Bible prophecy and end-time events, especially as they relate to the church and to Israel. You can sign up for our free electronic magazine, Exploits. Our free video library is also available to watch through our Jerusalem Channel app, which you can download to your phone or tablet. Daniel 11.32 is the inspiration for our TV show, it declares that the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and we will carry out exploits, meaning we're going to accomplish the works of the Lord in the remaining time that we have left before the Lord's imminent return. My friends, the kingdom of God is at hand. Let's wake up and be ready for the soon advent of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The sound of the shofar, the trump of God, reminds us that the great day of the Lord is drawing near. And soon we will see our King Messiah coming in glory and in the clouds to take those who are watching for him and waiting for him. If you have any questions about the second coming or about the ministry in general or about the topic we've discussed today, calling on the name of the Lord, I want you to feel free to contact me on the social media. And now let's say together the grace that the Apostle Paul gave us in the New Testament. May the grace of our Lord Jesus the Messiah and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen and amen. Well, until next time, you know me, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem, watching for the coming of the Lord upon the walls of the city of the great King. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom and Maranatha, our Lord comes. <laughs>